On this week's episode of Friend Code, we're talking about how Breath of the Wild holds up in 2020, the recently announced Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, and what we expect from the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Friend Code. I'm your host, Michael Damiani. This week, I'm joined by Bradley Ellis. Yo. No achievements. I haven't done that in a while, haven't I? Really? I thought you... No, maybe you haven't done it in a while. Uh -uh. Achievements. Thank you. You made my day, Brad. I'm also joined by two very special guests. First up, Rebecca Stone of Twinfinite. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. And also, uh, I'm going to do this. You you told me to do this. Sir Kyle Hillard of MinMax. Well, now that's embarrassing. It was a joke among <laughs> friends, but thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, to hang out with you guys. I, I listen to Easy Allies. It's very exciting. Thank you, in all seriousness, thank you so much for joining. I, uh, we had uh, some people in our community who actually heard what we were going to be doing for this episode of Friend Code, and they were like, you need to get Rebecca. You need to get Kyle. Please, please, please. Like, they specifically tracked me down or like, please <laughs> get both of them. I was like, oh, yeah, sure, of course. And uh I'm, I'm just glad we made it work. You know, it seemed like uh, this week has been a little bit hectic. Uh, this is a Nintendo-focused podcast, but there's been a lot of other stuff this week. Uh, we're recording the day of, of the PS5 showcase, so yeah. if everyone's... Uh, and they also they announced Super Mario Picross is coming yesterday. I mean, that's huge. You know, I mean, we're still <laughs> coming down Country that. 2. That, one, that one's legit. I heard oh, that yeah. game's pretty good. Right, Bramble Scramble, man. Come on. <laughs> we had a debate amongst us. I, I was, I was saying, I actually think I like Donkey Kong Country the most, even though I recognize two and three have more innovations to them. Just something about like the simplicity of the first one, I just can't get over it for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with yeah. you. I think, but that's yeah. not what we're here to talk about. I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> no, like I, 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 I have, man. There's sometimes it feels like there's no news for Nintendo in a week. Other times it feels like there's just too much. And September honestly has been a month of a lot of Nintendo news, and it's not over yet. <laughs> there's still maybe more to come potentially. We still have a another Smash Fighter character that needs to be announced at some point. You know, maybe that's coming up in the next few weeks. Who knows? But we did get, uh, we did get some new announcements regarding Zelda. Um, and also, we're going to talk a lot about Zelda today, and that's where I'd like to start. Mm-hmm. Brad, you actually yes. just finished a replay of Breath of the Wild, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of curious. Um, you played it on all through Master Mode, correct? Yep. Nice. So you played on the, the, on the difficulty. I'm kind of curious. Let's start there. I want to know how you feel it holds up in 2020. Like, do you still feel good about it now, replaying it as you did before? Anything changed? Uh, short answer, Yes. I don't think a lot changed my opinion of this game, Damiani, over time. I think what I loved about it the first time still holds true and my disappointments with it are still there. Because, you know, like you and me share a lot of the same grievances, yeah. especially with the story and how it's presented. That's kind of like one thing you and me always fall back on and the dungeons in the game. But maybe even this time around, I was more impressed with the shrines and how creative they are especially because I felt they were more creative than a lot of the divine beasts themselves, like the scenarios they present to you. But yeah, I think what that game set out to do, it accomplished like really well, especially this feeling, this vast open world, which Zelda, I mean, it had like, especially in the original one, like that feeling of like just going out there and just finding whatever. But uh, yeah, overall, I think it's still fantastic. It's an interesting point to bring up the story. Uh, how Breath of the Wild handles its storytelling. Um, yeah. Basically, you lost your memories and you have to piece together the mystery of what happened uh, in the past to Link. 
and essentially to Hyrule. I'm kind of curious for both you, Kyle and Rebecca, uh, uh, obviously, how did you feel about, you know, that style, that style of storytelling? Because it was the first open world Zelda game and they're trying to also tackle narrative in an open world game. How did you feel about the story in the game when you completed it for the first time? Yeah, I think it's interesting because the way that Breath of the Wild is set up is you can do as much of those memories and stories as you want to, or you could ignore it all and just, you know, go straight to the Divine Beast or not even just go straight to Ganon um, and focus more on, on the combat and the exploration if you want to. Um, so I feel like it's ultimately up to the player to decide how much of that story do they want to pursue? How much do they value that? How much of the world do they want to uncover? Uh, which could be a different experience from one person to the next. I mean, I, I, I always thought it was super effective. Like, I really I really liked the way it was presented. I think it was, like, thematically consistent with what they were going for of just, like, everything's open. The weapons you use, that's totally up to you. The, the room, the order you tackle, everything in, that's totally up to you. The way you absorb the story, again, that's totally up to you. And it, it was kind of this, like, weirdly classic kind of, like, reward, cutscene reward that I don't get very often anymore. Like, cutscenes are so common now mm -hmm. that it's, like, yeah. during the PS1 era, it was like, oh, my gosh, I got a cutscene. This was worth, you know, staying up all night to play. I got a little bit of that sense again with Breath of the Wild because there wasn't a lot of it, but the little pieces that were there, I felt like were significant. And I, I also had this weird experience. I don't know if you guys had it similar. Rebecca, I don't know if you had it similar, too, but, like, I, I reviewed the game. I was a writer for Game Informer at the time. And I was also on a print deadline. So I was like sprinting through that game. And like, I had this moment of like 3 a.m. in the morning. I was watching that final cutscene. I was like, all right, I got to write this review tomorrow. And like, I, I was tearing up. Like I was, it was so intense and like weirdly moving for me. Like not only because of the story, but just because of all the exhausted circumstances surrounding it of like, I've got this new system. I got to get this thing done. Oh my gosh, Zelda's awake. Ganon looks incredible. I'm not many people have seen him yet. This is stunning. Like it was just this like crazy ending for me. So like in that sense, like the story really worked for me, but it was also like, I had a very specific playthrough of that game that not everyone necessarily had the same thing, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a good perspective to have uh, coming from like someone who reviewed it as well. Obviously there was an embargo deadline, like, but with print, you have to get it in much sooner, obviously. Yeah. So for me, while there was a little bit of that pressure that I can't completely goof off and everything, I felt like I took my time. My playthrough style was I tried to explore as much as I could and story stuff came much later. And as you were illustrating, Rebecca, it's up, it's player choice. It's all optional, technically. You don't mm -hmm. need to get all that stuff. You don't, even, you don't even need to do the, like, the quote-unquote dungeons of the game, the Divine Beast. And I think that's part of the beauty of the game because it caters to so many different people. Uh, but the morsels I got of story, that was a great point too, Kyle. It, the, you, how you illustrated it about being more like the old school cutscene reward, it really did feel like that now that I think about it. And... Part of me, it's, I don't know if it's such a, a negative against it so much as I wanted more. Is that that's, more heard about the That's past. what I'm talking about. More like a I lot of the cutscenes you get yeah. with a lot of these characters are super brief. And you like kind of get to know them, like kind of. But I was with you, Don, and I was just yeah. like, man, just need a little more from them. It, it's it also, also helped that like... the voice acting was like, eh, it was not great, you know? Sorry, I didn't mean to step sure. on you there. No, that's Sorry. okay. I, I was going to go in the direction of it being all of the memory. The story took place in, in memories in the past. Mm -hmm. So it didn't even feel like you had any interaction with it. You were just learning what happened instead of being part of that. That, 
Yeah, exactly how I felt. Yes. Yep. yep. I guess. I guess there's also a point of an element of like if you like that kind of storytelling too. Like if you like that lost kind of like I want to learn everything that happened. You know, because mm-hmm. there there ultimately isn't a lot that happens in the present in that game. Really. No. You know? Everything yeah. happens in the past pretty much. I honestly always took the stance because Nintendo, EPD, you know, Anima and Fujibayashi, like them taking a crack at a truly open world Zelda game, finally truly delivering on the promise of overhauling and revamping what defined a Zelda game. There were more important things to get right first. Yeah. And I think what they came up, the framework for their narrative, I think was a very good solution so that they could get everything. And I think they did get everything else pretty much done mm-hmm. very it was excellent in my opinion so going on of that one of the biggest changes i think also because it was also optional were all the shrines they had and as i mentioned divine beasts i'm kind of curious did the, the there's always this back and forth on whether the shrines and the divine beasts satiated people's sense of curiosity as in like was it a good enough dangling carrot to explore the world to go over that extra hill to find that next shrine or did you find them maybe on the lacking side where you preferred something more like a traditional dungeon and kind of missed something like that? To me, I feel like I did, as much as I like the Divine Beast, I did miss the traditional dungeons. I think that doing, I did the Zora, the Zora first um, mm-hmm. Divine Beast, um, and that felt very magical. It felt like discovering the whole storyline with Sidon, uh, with going through that Divine Beast and um, all of the puzzles within it felt magical the first time but then by the time I was doing the second third fourth one to me they felt very largely the same I think that making the divine bees having that elemental uh, aspect that the traditional dungeons have in previous Zelda games would have gone a long way uh, to making each of them feel more distinct it felt like each of the three the four bosses uh, were very very similar they didn't have too much differences between them for the most part the blight ganons um so I see both. I see both. I, I did appreciate them, but part of me does uh, miss that traditional dungeon. Yeah, I mean, just that. It's funny. We kind of everyone points to it as like, oh, it's kind of Metroid-like or Zelda-like. But I'm always, it's, it's just good design in general. Like we don't necessarily have to tie it to a game, but just that idea of like seeing something that you can't solve and getting an item to go back and be able to solve that. That's like a core tenant of every Zelda up to Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. And I, I did miss that, but I also. I think I would rather have what they ultimately delivered than to hmm. sort of, you know, like have you take the dungeons in a certain order. I get, or maybe the other solution would have been like, there's an item in every dungeon that you use specifically to that dungeon or something. I don't know, but I did, I did miss that element of Zelda, you know? I mean, I think a lot of the problem for me with it is just like the, the size of the beast is pretty short. You can get to these really fast. And like Rebecca was saying, yeah, it's really cool the first time you go on one. Like it feels awesome, like seeing this huge thing move around and you're like rotating it. But then once you start doing that again and again and again, it kind of loses a lot of its luster. I think it definitely would have been more effective to have a change of scenery in these like they kind of like have the same vibe inside. Like like the game has that everywhere, like yeah. the chic old tech mm-hmm. everywhere in the shrines. I think if they switched that up a bit, it would really helped. Exactly. Yeah. The atmosphere was just my biggest complaint, honestly. The, 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 yeah, they all looked the same. Um, I was pleasantly surprised and enjoyed the, the more physics-based natures of the puzzles. Oh, yeah. The yeah, tools yeah. are used. The puzzles was, were great. Yeah, uh, that like absolutely loved that. I think the nature of what the individual shrines and also the kind of how the Divine Beasts were formatted 
kind of allowed them a little bit more freedom in puzzle design. And I, my hope is, well, I mean, we'll get to this later about hopes and dreams, you know, for the, the sequels that they learned some good lessons from that, that can maybe put some things more into focus going forward. But I don't like, I absolutely thought what the, what they did for the opening salvo of like their open world Zelda stuff, the open air, sorry. They, uh, they did a really good job for that, but I did miss. <laughs> I just appreciate that you corrected yourself. <laughs> like well, like there's like, a distinction between those two definitions. It's, it's like, oh yeah, this is open air, dude. It's not open world. Completely different. <laughs> there's <laughs> only different one thing. reason I did that is because the pe- our comments will be like, uh, it's It'll open be all over air. Here. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. They give it a specific term. It's like, all right, I'll give it, you know, that's how it I is. Do, but I mean, yeah. I appreciate that. Like, in, oh, I, I appreciate it. Maybe it's not the right term, but it is, it does feel like in the marketing, they'd be like, this is an open open air world like it's kind of like they feel like they've discovered this idea and then they've named it it's like well <laughs> yeah. you know we've played far cry like we, we've kind of done this before there, there yeah there's there's a hint of being facetious in there as well but you know uh take a look at uh the for- game formerly known as gods and monsters and you know <laughs> mm-hmm. that as well it's like you know they didn't use the term so it's like nintendo they're still the only open air making you know <laughs> Uh, I do want to talk about one other thing with uh, Breath of the Wild. This was, a, I think, most the most polarizing thing I saw about the game. Brad, in your replay, I'm curious if this ever even registered as an issue with you. The durability system with weapons. Saw so many people who just could not stand it and did not want it, does not want it to come back. How, how did you feel about it in your replay? So with this, I could go either way. There's things I really like about it. I do love having these weapons and being encouraged to mess around with them. A lot of people are afraid because they were afraid to run out of weapons but even on master mode that's that's only really an issue for the first few hours eventually i was just loaded with weapons like constantly weapons i just couldn't even take because i was loaded up uh i wouldn't be opposed if they changed some things about it like i'm fine with it if they do or if they don't pretty much i could see them sticking to it damiani but maybe making it easier to let's say repair an item if you like it or to increase its durability so it lasts yeah. a lot longer. So, so if you have like, I really like using spears in this game now, so you could kind of cater to that more. That'd be a pretty good idea to, for them to do going forward. Um, what about you, Rebecca? Did the uh, durability system really bother you at all or no? Yeah, no, not really. Um, I do agree with what, what Brad was saying about how uh, it, it would be nice to have those extra options to increase the durability or um, even have some that are more per- permanent. Um, it's interesting to me because most Zelda games and I think games in general, I feel like the difficulty goes from uh, easy to hard as you go on throughout the game. I almost felt like it was the opposite in Breath of the Wild where I had a harder time in the beginning with the, the weaker weapons breaking, my sticks breaking oh my gosh, I don't have a weapon now. I felt myself dying a lot more in the beginning than at the end when I had a whole utility of you know claymores and, and whatnot that I had found in Ganon's castle. Um, so I feel like, yeah, with some tweaks to it, I think uh, I wouldn't mind if it came back. A funny question for you, Kyle. Every weapon in this game has durability, including the iconic Master Sword, yeah. Even even that having technically having durability where it loses its, you know, I uh, forget what it is. It's like its essence or whatever. Did they even that like bug you or were you kind of even cool with something like that? Um, I mean, it was definitely initially something I was turned off by. I think for the same reasons as Rebecca is that it like it seemed to apply this like level of challenge to it that I wasn't expecting early on. But over time, like you kind of have to just come to terms with it. And when you do and you recognize its value, which is to get you to try out different weapons 
and change how you approach combat like with what you have in your hands like then i learned to really like it because like i never would have touched a spear if the first sword i found was you know never broke and i just upgraded it over the course of the game i never would have used the larger weapons i just wouldn't have because that's the kind of player i am so the fact that like when you get in this intense skirmish and you went through all your swords and you went through all your claymores and then you have the spears left over and you learn how to use the spears like there's value in that but like i also i totally understand people getting frustrated with that system because like it does especially early on it 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 does feel like even the things that you're working toward as rewards get like taken away from you at a certain point. You know what I mean? If you beat a shrine and you get this great sword, it's like, it's gone within the hour. And like, I under it, it by the end of the game, it was not a frustration because I understood how the system worked, but it, like early on, it, it was definitely mm-hmm. a, an obnoxious kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I think the thing that stuck out to me the most was the, whether or not I had a, a this feeling of, I got a, a good elemental weapon, like a rare a weapon that felt rare, like, you know, a lightning blade, a fire blade or something like that. And do I save this up? You know, if this, if I ruin this, is this, how rare is this? Like the question of that. And yeah, the more I played, the more I learned the rules. I was like, Oh, every, they want you to be situational. They want you to, uh, you're going to make life a lot more difficult for yourself. If you don't actually pay attention to enemies and decide, Oh, this one, a, it has an elemental weakness, maybe to this, or maybe used, you know, use your bow and arrow from range or a spear gives you more of an advantage against this or, you know, the sword or an ax or whatever the heck you have. I was like, I, I, I get it. I, I wonder if, because it sounds like all three of you are in agreement with me that this was more of a more strenuous at the, in the opening hours of the game. Yeah. And I, I mean, wonder I like if that's the whole game. That was period. the biggest hurdle for people to get over. If they could have found a way to maybe eat like, you know, flatten the curve a little bit to use maybe a real, topical have... term. <laughs> Maybe you can have like a lower power weapon that doesn't break, but the better ones will or something. Like just so you're oh. never left without something. Yeah, because you have a default sword or something. Yeah, yeah something. Something like that. I think, like the wood sword. <laughs> I mean, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because we are going to talk about like yeah. you know potential ideas for the future. The idea of like fixing a weapon that you really like, I think, is cool because um, I I played through Zelda before all my peers, and the question that would they would come to me with when they started playing wasn't can I fix my weapons? It was, where do I go to fix the weapons? Uh, and then I had to be the one to kind break of it to a them. Standard, like, uh-huh, in a lot of games. Yeah. 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 So, and like, so yeah, I think, I think there's a desire for that. And I don't think it would really break the game because it would still require material and it would still yeah. require traveling and stuff like that. You know, it wouldn't be a lot of the times <laughs> it'll, it would probably be easier to just toss it and then I was gonna it, say I like, feel like yeah. the weapons are so plentiful in the game anyway I'm not even sure that I would go out of my way to repair a weapon if I just know that there's going to be something else for me if I explore around the corner um, but I think some balancing with that would be uh, would be a route they could take yeah I, I agree we'll get we'll definitely get into more there's I, I know several of you have ideas but I think it's one of the things people will be looking forward to learning more about when we see more of the sequel whenever they're ready to show it off again um, I am curious though, so we'll start with you, Brad. We got some patron questions about okay. how we feel about Breath of the Wild on more specific things. And this first one comes from our patron, Logan. They want to know what style of Zelda do we prefer? The, the, and I'm going to probably speak for them, their interpretation here. They mean like, do you prefer the open world Zelda? Do you prefer the, the more older, like the traditional 3D style of Zelda, like Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask? Do you prefer the 2D Zeldas? Like, what, where, where, does, where do you kind of stand on that right now? Uh, this is tough because I kind of like aspects of all of them. 
there's certain things I like about like I so the other 3D Zelda's the older ones I kind of liked the sometimes the story shined better in that sense because it was laid out I thought and what a more interesting way to me like we got those moments like Ganon and uh, Wind Waker and all that kind of stuff I do love just being in Hyrule though and kind of just going wherever the hell I want and just having this feeling of exploration so I mean the 2D ones are kind of like the 3D ones, I guess, in their progression. Like you go, except for Link, uh, what was it? Uh, a Link Between Worlds? Yes, yeah, Link Between Worlds, where you can kind of go in your own order. So I don't know. I, I like aspects of all of them. I do maybe prefer in the future for them to continue in this more open style because I feel like they can experiment with that a lot more. There's only been one, so I feel like there's a lot they can mess around with. For sure. What about, uh, what about you two, Kyle and Rebecca? Does, uh, do you have a preference at this point on uh, which style of Zelda you're well, into? I mean, Ocarina was my first. That was the okay. first Zelda game I, I played and beat. I've since, you know, I quickly went back and played Link to the Bast, embarrassed, uh, frankly, that I took me so long to discover the series. But um, I think because of that, I'm always going to be kind of a 3D boy, you know? <laughs> like, I'm going to be a, in three dimensions. But, um, I mean, in terms of, like, the future, I would I would much rather see them you know iterate on open world then be like oh let's let's take another shot of that ocarina of time style but like i wouldn't say no to that <laughs> like i would yeah. absolutely take that too you know but yeah. i do i would order it like 3d open world 2d if we're gonna sort of you know put it that way but i mean they're all so close and up near the top mm -hmm. somehow even though it's a list of three things <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have a hard time deciding a favorite too. I do have a soft spot for the 2D games, the top-down ones, um, more probably than most people. Um, a Link to the Past was my first ever video game, um, and I, I I feel like the it's so hard to pick one of them when they're all shining, just like how Kyle said. Um, I do, as far as you said, though, uh, do hope that they continue to find a way to include open world aspects in it. I don't mind the linear nature of the older 3D games, um, but I feel like there is a way to um, incorporate that open world style while bringing back a lot of the things that shine from the other 3D games that we were talking about. Yeah, now, uh, linear progression came up. Um, Zelda is not generally known for being a very linear series, but one of the more recent entries last year's Link's Awakening introduced a lot of new players to an older style of Zelda and a more linear progression style of Zelda. And um, I'll just say personally, I, I still get a lot of enjoyment out of that. And I think in the past maybe decade or so, probably stemming from like the release of Final Fantasy 13. I'm just going to probably put all, put all the blame squarely on Square Enix here. <laughs> Not unfairly, of course, that the li linear became a dirty word all of a sudden. That linear means it's not good. Open world equals good. And I, I personally feel the Zelda series, and as well as some other series, highlight that that's not the case. Link's Awakening to me and last year's entry or reimagining of it or revamp, whatever you want to call it reiterate you know showcase why that's the, the why that's the case and i'm kind of curious if any of you kind of agree with that if you feel you still get a lot of enjoyment from or and still want to see a, a a future for a more linear progression maybe there's some a branching path here too which dungeon can go but otherwise it is you're meant to go in this order and yeah, yeah i mean i don't have a problem with that like something being linear i guess i think with zelda they could still make it seemingly linear but if you make you feel like you have a choice kind of dumb how you're saying like even if you're just dumped on this huge map and you can kind of go wherever you want but once you go a certain way it becomes much more linear i could see them easily doing something like that 
Yeah, I think especially for games like Link's Awakening, it does, uh, even though it is linear in nature, like you said, Brad, it does have um, kind of that feeling that it is open because the world, you can still explore most places in the world. You can still uncover little secrets. Maybe you get an item and it opens up more of the map. Um, So even though it is linear, you feel like you're still exploring freely in this this world wherever you want to go. Yeah, so I... I wrote the um, the cover story for Breath of the Wild for Game Informer, and part of that was a chance to sit down with Onuma and Miyamoto and talk to them about the game a lot before it came out. And one of the things that uh, Onuma specifically talked about is like people would tell him, "Oh, like, oh, you guys, you need to do Zelda, but you need to make it like, you know, open like the original was." And even in his memory, he said he felt like that you could take the dungeons in any order. Like he just mm-hmm. that's how he remembered the game, and it wasn't until he revisited it you know you know prior to working on breath of the wild that he real that he remembered it's like oh yeah this you have to take these in order this is not a non-linear game and i think that's part of i think one into went into both link between worlds and breath of the wild was trying to take that feeling of you know being able to go anywhere you want even though in the original games it it, it wasn't really like that i just kind of felt that way you know yeah that it's always this is always an interesting topic so speaking strictly from the sense of the the way you're kind of meant to play through all of these games zelda one honestly until breath of the wild came around around zelda one was probably the most open-ended in terms of where you could go there are restrictions on there are very few restrictions the, the that you could actually in terms of access i think there's like one or two dungeons you have to do in a certain order but otherwise it is you can go to like one of like up to like four or five dungeons at the start it depends on skill and what you come across like items aren't just like you can buy them from npcs and stuff but starting with zelda 2 onward they became mostly linear progression i said maybe you could do one or two dungeons in a different order here or there but otherwise they have like numbers attached to them and stuff like this is a level two this is level three you know this is in the credits they label them in by order they show you like link pass yeah. shows you like what order you were supposed to do. i'm like oh okay so uh, i think npcs there might be... are like go to the desert no <laughs> yeah, go to the desert yeah. no go so south no if there's any of that you know that uh, looking for rose tinted glasses about zelda's openness and maybe a little bit of a misremembering and having a little bit too fond memories of that so i i, I do think I, I do think while there's still a place for it, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of the three of you where I'd like to see them pursue more of Breath of the Wild style of game. There are plenty of excellent, you know, linear style Zelda games or games that are more linear progression in the Zelda series. They haven't done, they've only done one open world Zelda game like this. So um, those are very good points. I think the last thing I want to bring up before I ask a final patron question about original Breath of the Wild we talked. We mentioned Link's Awakening, um, and we talked a little bit about the dungeons in Breath of the Wild, and we talked about items and the structure of how you get items. And one of the other comments, one of the most seen comments I saw besides being surprised by Link's Awakening's structure in terms of progression was puzzles. Um, the puzzles were a little confusing in Link's Awakening to newcomers because the game didn't explain its own rules very well at times. The whole you have to find an item in a dungeon people were used, these players were used to Breath of the Wild where you were given all of your items up front and explained, this is what you have. These, this is your toolkit. This is all you're going to need to solve any puzzle in the game versus more traditional Zelda where it's like, you might not have this item yet. You might completely be lacking this or there's some puzzle in the dungeons like, what the heck does this even do? I've never seen this before. I'm kind of curious if 
you feel Breath of the Wild, the structure of giving you everything up at the front did Breath of the Wild a justice? And would you prefer maybe that? Or, or do you maybe agree that the older style Zeldas have some like obtuse parts where this is a little cryptic, a little too cryptic to figure out? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's a, that's a, a tough question, I guess. I like, yeah. certainly there is, is cryptic stuff, especially to like young players. Like you kind of forget sometimes. I mean, like I said, Ocarina was my first Zelda, you know, like you forget that like every Zelda is somebody's first Zelda, you know? So like I see a boomerang and I'm like, okay, I know what to do with this. But like, there are certainly young players who are like, well, I don't know what it's, do I have to throw mm -hmm. this thing. This is going to yeah. hit a switch for me, you know? So like. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And then like I I I have a daughter who I just can't never not bring up, but she she seemed really woefully uninterested in in Link's Awakening despite it being very cute. But Breath of the Wild, like she got into and and played a little bit. And I think that's just like a modern, you know, this generation, a younger generation of kids like games like Fortnite and Minecraft where or, you know, Roblox where it's like you're just given tools and then you kind of do whatever you want with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where I'm kind of like old school and I'm like give me the thing to hit the switch so I can open this door and go through. Like, I like being guided along where I think younger players just don't, you know, which is fine. It's just a generational thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. Honestly. I mean, I've always kind of figured that maybe younger players, to like just the nature of older games, that's just how it is. Like whatever you started with, it's just commonplace to you. I think the thing I saw was there's a puzzle in Link's Waking where you have to pick up the orbs in uh, was it Eagle's tower to break the pillars and i saw a comment on i was on reset or someone's like i didn't where was it said that i have to pick up these balls like these orbs i didn't even know they were orbs like what the heck like what what, what? and i was like yeah, I, but to I me think that's that so puzzle <laughs> is particularly obtuse yeah. I, I don't know if yeah. you guys know dan reichert former giant bomb guy i yes. like i worked with him at game for a little bit he we, we he we he would complain about that like years and years ago before there was even <laughs> mutterings of like a remake of that specific puzzle so <laughs> that one in particular i think is just a little obtuse it's true and i feel like a lot of the older zelda games were cryptic like that uh where they didn't have like a color to show us that you could hit a switch or, or something and for us longtime zelda players we take that for granted where we know we've played a zelda game we know how that progression works we know how to use these tools and what the general mechanics are we know when there's a crack in the wall that means you have to bomb it um and in some cases maybe there's not a crack maybe it just makes a different sound when you clink your sword against it <laughs> people who are just coming into the series for the first time don't know that um so you're right i do feel like uh, breath of the wild has has changed that and uh, made it a little bit more, uh, not obvious, but helps the player along with those mechanics. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, do you feel Breath of the Wild, it, one of the things does well is because maybe it's so intuitive, like figuring out the puzzles. They, they, there's, there's complicated as they can get. It feels like I can still figure this out. They've given me everything I need to know. And like the, the mm -hmm. things they're showing me here, they make sense at all times. And I feel they, yeah. oh yeah, I feel they did a good job with that. And the thing with Breath of the Wild, too, is often there was more than one way to figure it out, like climbing yes. a tower. If there's vines on it, maybe you could fly up. Maybe you could burn the vines. There was more than one way. So it encouraged lots of different experimenting to to get to that solution. I love that so much because it made me constantly ask, what is? What is possible? What if I could do this? What if I could do that? And that was just so fun 
to mm-hmm. like, I, I just want to see what was, how far can I push before they're going to say no? And most of the time it's like, wow, they really let me get away with a lot of cool stuff in here. And I appreciate this. I appreciate you letting me feel like this is a little bit more of a, a playground here. Try, try out what you want to try. And if you're creative, it worked good for you. It rewarded me. I was like, this is, I like this. I like this feedback loop here. It's pretty good. So yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to wrap this up about Breath of the Wild discussion by asking if well, Brad, you just recently played through it. So mm-hmm. you can judge it from playing it recently. Um, I don't know when the last time either any of us have played it, but did Breath of the Wild's release disrupt your rankings of your favorite Zelda games? Did it, did it, did it crack into the upper echelon? Like uh... I guess our patrons, we have a patron question from uh, shy who wants to know uh, they specifically addressed it to Brad at first, but then to the rest of the panelists about basically what are they asked for our top four Zelda games now with Breath of the Wild. Top being, four, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to. I'm gonna say you don't it's have to get so four. Hard. You, you can do I'll, top. I'll three. give four, but let me just say these can sure. change all the time. Sure. They're not set in stone. Okay, so right now it's probably uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, the original, A Link to the Past ocarina and twilight prince oh that's five but twilight prince is two somewhere in there <laughs> just scoot it in can't there resist, somewhere can't resist yeah oh uh, man i was gonna offer you an easy out i was gonna get, i was actually to redo it uh give you the option just like ask you if breath of all even cracks your top four just a yeah. yes or no it's, and it's why. somewhere in there yeah, yeah. We, we can give it to that. If it's going to be too difficult to give your top four zelda games just does breath of Wild crack into your top four or three basically and why I would say most of the time for me it does <laughs> like like you guys my top uh, Zelda games always change depending on um, you know what I'm in the mood for but yes yeah I, I think it would rank um, pretty high definitely in the top four okay I, I'll be brave I'll put some numbers out there man uh, <laughs> All right. number one All right. number like one's numbers. always going to be Ocarina of Time it just it lives there it has a home there that it like it will always be there it is the game that made me want to think about games critically and write about games and all that stuff. So it just, it will always be my number one. I would put Breath of the Wild number two. I would put Majora's Mask three, which I wouldn't have a couple years ago, but playing it, the 3DS version really cemented it for me. And like just the tone of that game and just the sort of darkness of it, I really love. And then for, then it gets kind of muddy because then it's kind of like I would I would probably put Link Between Worlds pretty high. Oh wow! I really like that game a lot, and then I, Twilight Princess would also be very high for me as well. So maybe number number four, it's kind of those two are tied. I think. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Kyle. My top three is a little bit different. I would probably go probably a link to the past ocarina of time then probably breath of the wild and then four i feel like could be a number of games um i really like the wind waker and i actually really like the minish cap as well i, um, I almost brought up minish cap i uh, do love minish cap. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i'm also have the difficulty with brad where i feel like the up the top five top six top ten maybe there's always in flux i will say breath of the wild will probably always be in like Okay, if you want top four, probably it's always going to be in my top four. I was going to say if it's top five, definitely. But top four, probably it's up there. I can definitively say I don't think anything for much like you, Kyle. I don't think anything's ever good for me on a personal level to throw in a link to the past. Um, they had just a lot of emotional attachment to that game. 
Um, I still think for me personally, it still holds up with each replay. It also opened my mind to games are more than to see side scroller action things or you just get to a goal, get to an end of a level, complete this. There's exploration. I could kind of like revel in this world and bask in the music and it looked pretty to me at the time. I was like, this is, this is something special. Um, I think it's what you probably felt with Ocarina of Time, honestly, because I it, that wasn't too long after. You know, that was yeah. up there with one of my earlier Zeldas too. So it's like, oh, I can feel that. other emotions than like anger and excitement <laughs> playing a video game. I can also feel like a, a little bit of sadness and fear. You know, the first time I saw the Ocarina of Time title screen, I had the sense of like, I don't want to say panic, overwhelmed. Just seeing the like Link riding opponent through the Hyrule field, it's like uh, piano coming. This in? is gonna be a epic game. I was like, I'm in for a ride. My life's about to change when I press start. <laughs> I was like, I'm not ready for this game. This is gonna wow. But yeah, I mean, um, going from 2D to that was insane at the time. Yeah. That was uh, it's hard. It's one of those games. I feel like you had to have been there when it came out to fully appreciate its magnitude some of those games those old classics but yeah uh breath of the wild well we'll get back we're, we're this is a breath of the wild themed episode so it's not the last you hear about breath of the wild uh to our listeners and viewers but um i want to shift gears and talk about well we're going to talk about a game that's going to be in the past it is the future of breath of the wild uh Hyrule wars age of calamity a recently shadow dropped on us um nintendo just shadow dropping a lot of their announcements this month uh this is going to be uh not it's a brand new game it is a muso game so if you're familiar with hyrule warriors or dynasty warriors so that's those types of games it's like that however uh what we were shown of it made it look uh, they even said that the the uh, koei tecmo team was working more closely hand in hand with the zelda team and i felt like that uh, i want to get our first impressions here because for me it came across immediately in that trailer from the visual fidelity to the level of the they're trying to make this feel like an authentic breath of the wild prequel wow um, I'm, I'm not sure if any of you got that vibe or how you felt after you saw that reveal trailer. Uh, yeah, dude, my expectations were very surpassed from what I, I'm not like a huge Muso fan. I played some of the other Hyrule Warriors, but I kind of lost interest, but this just like this focus on the story and like it actually looking like Breath of the Wild really took me off guard. I thought it was going to look more like the realistic yeah. style, I guess. So yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, me too. I played um, Hyrule Warriors on the Wii U. Uh, I liked it. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm way more excited for this one because it does look like it's going to be, instead of just a, a Warriors game with a Zelda skin, it's going to be its own kind of standalone, explaining more of that Breath of the Wild story and um, giving us a little bit more depth and lore than what uh, than what the, the first Hyrule Warriors had. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about the story earlier, and I, I really do genuinely like Breath of the Wild's story. Like, I really liked it. Like, part of the fun of, like, digging into everything was, like, finding lore, you know, things outside of cutscenes and stuff like that. So, like, I actually really like the story of Breath of the Wild. And, like, so that was my initial reaction. It's, like, great. I love the idea of digging into the history of this world. And I was also weirdly super excited that, like, the end of that game you know, unless I, I could be totally wrong, but the end of that game's probably going to be a huge bummer. Like it's going to be mm-hmm. a downer ending, which is like really exciting for me. Like I'm a <laughs> fan of like a, of a sad ending, you know what I mean? And I think it, or normally they would be scared to do it. They can take the halo reach approach of like, 
guys, yeah. like everything's going to be fine. So we're going to make sure this one ends on a, a note of like, like I want to see like bloody Zelda carrying dead link to, you know, like that, that place mm-hmm. where he's got to go to sleep for a hundred years and then just like credits, like that'd be amazing. You know, such a, yeah, that's such a good point because for anyone who's played the breath of the wild, you, you know how this is going to end unless there's some kind of twist where it's not technically yeah. like you don't even have to really say spoiler alert. Cause that's like the opening of the game. It's like, you've yeah, been asleep like, for a hundred years. It's Think like that, you lost, like we lost, yeah. like that's what's happening here. You know, yeah, it's like, we're going, you know, what has to happen at the end of this movie. <laughs> yes. Come on. Remember Back those alert. champions that you got to know through the memories? Yeah. Well, they died. <laughs> and you're going to very... see it. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm very excited because we get to spend more time in this world. We talked, as we talked about before, this is all like passive in the past. We didn't live in the moment with this storyline. They're giving us this chance now. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about getting to just, even if it's just like big map, but it's not, it's not going to be open world, obviously. They're going to let me run through maps that show me how Hyrule looked 100 years ago. And that to me sounds fantastic and seems so appealing to me. And I'm very excited about that. And I, I'm just trying to imagine the possibilities now because we are revisiting past like what like what areas we're going to see and what areas you're excited to maybe like revisit pre calamity and you know what character <clears throat> what characters are going to be playing as and stuff like that. So the, the, you did point as we point out the obvious though. I want to start here. Uh, this is a a, a Musou game. Uh, Dynasty Warriors, if you're not familiar with that term, it's basically hack and slash, glorified hack and slash, one versus a thousand or million, you know, the, the one million troops meme came from this genre, basically. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, we have a question from, uh, sorry, a patron question from Steven. And they have a problem with one of their friends about convincing them to get into this game. So they say, so my friends and I love the Zelda franchise and Breath of the Wild has quickly become one of my favorites. When it comes to, Age of, uh, comes to Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, my friend dismissed it while I can't wait for it. When I ask them why they say they already know what's going to, why they already dismissed it, it's because they already know what's going to happen in the game because of Breath of the Wild, so they don't see any point in playing it. So uh, other people may share the same viewpoint on this game. So could this affect the game? Could this affect the game's success? Also, could it be the fact that it's a Musou game and not an open world style uh, like Breath of the Wild? Do you think that's going to also affect other people's uh, the those deleted here? Sorry, I'm going to assume it said to their you know their desire to play through this. That's a good point that we we do know how it ends up, but I don't agree with the fact that that makes it not worth playing. Sure, we know how it ends up, but we don't know how it gets to that point. Um, and there's no doubt that they're going to add, you know, storylines and, and details that we don't know anything about. Um, so I, th- I think it's all about that journey of getting there. You When you play a Zelda game anyway, you know how it's going to end. You defeat Ganon or whoever the villain is, but you still want to play it to find out how you get there, how you do that journey. Um, so I don't see that as a reason not to play this. As for the fact that um, that it's not a traditional Zelda game, it's true that this this is more hack and slash. It's a different gameplay style. Um, but I think for anybody who does love the Breath of the Wild world and, and the, the Zelda storytelling, um, it would still be worth playing solely for that. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, why I'm playing it. They got me in with that, dude. <laughs> I mean, there will be that person out there though that is going to yeah. go like, "Oh, I this is that Breath of the Wild sequel I heard about. I guess this is it." 
and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna play right. something that they don't expect, which is too bad and and disappoint. I mean, it's a bummer. I I would I would be disappointed if I was ready for Breath of the Wild two and I started playing this. Like, you kind of have to you know know what you're getting into before you start. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It, it's just a spinoff. Like, just you know, just mm-hmm. make sure that that's that's like that's Nintendo's job to figure out how every to make sure everyone knows that this is a spinoff. And I mean, I think the fact that it's not called the legend of zelda and it's not it's called, called hyrule warriors yeah. yeah like i think that's a, a really good big first step <laughs> maybe the only step they need yeah uh i mean i keep getting tongue-tied because i keep wanting to call it breath of wild age of calamity where it's not it's not that because this is a unique situation in fact the most analogous thing i've seen of this was the their own uh, other muso game persona 5 scramble it's not out in the west yet but uh I got to play a, the demo, the Japanese demo of it uh, a while back uh, with uh, another yeah, member of UZ Allies, Michael Huber. We were both shocked at how the authentic feel that it felt like th- this feels like Persona 5 in a lot of ways. I can walk around the different environments that were in Persona 5. There's a lot of story dialogue in here that makes it feel like this is, the, it's just like even the combat used a lot of hooks that were present in the turn-based style of the combat. I was like, oh, okay. Like the, the opening up an enemy, an, an, sorry, an enemy to an all-in attack, or I forget what it was called, like that, that, that move you could do. And I'm getting that vibe from Hyrule War, or from Age of Calamity more so than Hyrule Warriors. Because to me, you kind of talked about this a little bit, Rebecca. For me, Hyrule Warriors felt like, as you said, it was a Musou game with a Zelda skin, but it relied a lot heavily, very heavily on Zelda fan service. It was like, this is Zelda fan service, the game. Like, you want to play these characters? Here they all are. Here they're doing these cool, funny moves. But like, at the end of the day, the environments in the game, even the story was kind of like whatever to me. It wasn't really engrossing. It wasn't captain. I was playing it because it had a Zelda skin. This make, leads me to believe it's going to be more than that. It's going to have more of a focus. And I trust this more to be, for those people who are worried about the, the Muso part of it, I think... I feel very good. And we're going to see very soon. We're going to see a TGS, supposedly more, the next update to this game. I feel like the more we see of it, the more it will convince people that you should probably try this out if you had concerns about it. Hmm. I got a little off track with that question there because uh, I I wanted to, I meant to start with something else. I threw myself for a loop there. Uh, I wanted to start with playable characters before you got into story because (laughs) we kind of, we kind of, we, we still didn't really go into it, but that's a good point. Everyone wants to know about characters because Muso games, the wide selection of characters, I just talked about the original Hyrule Warriors, how many different characters you got to play was insanity. Um, So one of our patrons uh, crew actually asked us about one of their favorite things about the original Hyrule Warriors was the large cast of playable characters from the Zelda franchise. So with Age of Calamity being focused on Breath of the Wild story, do you think they're just going to keep the roster to the champions and Link and, and Zelda? Or if not, what are the characters you think they're going to be adding to the game? Yeah. I, so when they announced it, like I think a lot of like a lot of people are sharing specific characters from Breath of the Wild. Somebody shared the uh, the flower woman who just yells at you for stepping <laughs> on flowers. <laughs> and I was like, I, and it, that just sent me down this rabbit hole of like, oh yeah, they could put this person in there. They could put that person in there. They could put the leader of the 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 Sheikah or whatever. That guy's weird. And then I like had this moment where I was like, oh wait, all this all takes a hundred takes place a hundred years ago. Like none of those characters are alive yet. So I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, like I think that maybe post release they might add a bunch of wackadoo characters that don't have any canonical sort of you know. They're just they're just there yeah. because it's fun to play as them. But in terms of like 
contextual, like, you know, in that time frame? Yeah, I don't know. Like, outside of the Guardians and Link and Zelda, I don't know, Epona, I guess? Well, we did (laughs) see a little glimpse in the trailer. We saw Impa, who is old in the, in the, in Breath of the Wild. Um, Okay. We saw what what we thought was her younger. Um, So it's possible Mm -hmm. we could be playing as her younger. Um, I've seen some scientist woman who like made herself a child. Rebecca, was she, do you remember if she was like, is she she a very old woman? Um, she might've been, I don't know. It's you're right. It's hard to say because a hundred, you know, a hundred years ago, who was alive, even characters that were around back then might've been really young. Like we saw Sidon in in a lot of the memories. He was, um, he was a baby. Like he's not going to be fighting. Um, you mentioned, I think the, the Yiga clansmen, like, are they around? Is is this, is this something that we could see? I did see a really good theory on, um, the, our character Cass, the, um, Mm. the Rito Cass, but he might not be alive, but he talks in great length during his storytelling about his mentor who teaches him the songs. Mm -hmm. So I think we could see some original characters in this game who either were not in Breath of the Wild or were maybe just referenced in some way. Um, because I think Hyrule Warriors, the first one did, did introduce some new characters. We got like Lana, was it? Yeah. Um, some original ones. I think we could see some of that, uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. I, there's also uh, that little baby guardian in the cover art yes which i don't know what else to call Ooh. it but yeah. that's got to be a playable something right it has to be something like <laughs> i gonna, I, I can't help but think with that uh, he's gonna be an ally of some sort and then when the guardians start turning on people we're gonna have to be forced to oh no yeah, it's gonna be brutal. They're going all in on that. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's like the only potential amiibo at this point, right? Like, because <laughs> everything one else has already been yeah, made maybe. an amiibo. Yeah, they're they're reissuing the four champion ones, but it'd be nice if they made that other that the baby guardian one. We did. I remember there was a scene where you uh, when your Urbo, uh, Urbosa Yiga clan members were assaulting uh, yeah, the Gerudo. But yeah, mm-hmm. like, will you any of those people? Uh, it'd be interesting if we saw like the fathers or grandfathers of like some of the characters, you know, that are your current champion substitutes, like, or leaders of certain tribes, like seeing them like, oh, this was my great grandfather. This is my grandfather, which leads into what you're saying a little bit, Rebecca, about uh, uh, original characters, potentially. Um, you just and... made me think King Rome, Zelda's dad. Yeah. He's, oh. he's in there. Yeah. I mean, there's a I couple of like, he he has be, I, mean, I don't know if he would fight. Maybe he would fight. Magic. May, I mean, mm-hmm. if, 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 if Daphnis and Hanson Hyrule can turn into a boat, I mean, they can make this work. <laughs> True. Come on. True. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm also with you, Kyle. I think post there was a question about DLC. Uh, we had a patron question about that. And I think you're, you hit the nail on the head that they're going to go with the more crazy, goofy stuff with the DLC because yeah. what do you do after this? Like the story is definitive here. You're you, we, the, where you go from here, you go play breath of the wild. So may, yeah, maybe bringing in, you know, other, the other characters from the present and putting them just playable for fun or something like that. Yeah. I, I can totally see them doing or a new challenge. Are you, you going to be able to, are you going to be able to call in the beasts for like ultimate, special attacks is that have they shown anything like that in the trailer the, oh hmm. they really haven't there has been speculation um that 
the divine beasts wander in areas that are they're not restricted to their zones like they are in breath of the wild you can yeah. see them in zones they never appear in in breath of the wild because they're not uh infected by the the malice the calamity yet so they're yeah. free they're gonna be used i wonder yeah if that's like an ultimate summon like when you're one of the four champions that's like your ultimate attack or there's maybe a boss fight where you take the role of them and fight mm -hmm. maybe like a super giant guardian or something like that that could mm -hmm. be really cool i'd be okay with that i wouldn't say no to that yeah, yeah it sounds kind of I fun actually yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious to see like a more of a villain role from someone in this too damiani like obviously ganon's gonna be in here but he'll probably just be like calamity ganon or something again I That's assume. a good point, because these games like do have the villains, yeah. Kind of like a figurehead, almost. Yeah, will he be a person, as opposed yeah. to, like, mm. a fiery spirit mm. this time? Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good I question. I wonder, Brad, if they let you play as the Blights from their perspective yeah. for Maybe, you know yeah. the parts. <laughs> I mean, not... <laughs> That'd be crazy. Uh, play with some uh, stuff uh, like that in Hyrule Warriors. the Blight against... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think there'll uh, be an end game tease for Breath of the Wild 2? Like something? That's one of our patron questions yeah. as well, actually. Yeah. We, mm. People are that we have a. Uh, we, let me just go here. From uh, from Bader, actually. Our patron Bader wanted to know will there be any kind of hint or connection in this game to potentially something in Breath of the Wild sequel? Like, even if it's a revelation about something that maybe we didn't even see in Breath of the Wild. So it's like, wait, this has to come up again. Wait, this is something that's probably going to be explored in Breath yeah, of the Wild 2. Possible. Yeah. Or do you think Maybe you'll find no. a cave and Zelda will point to it and be like, someday I'm going to braid my hair and we're going to go in there. And yeah. then you just like <laughs> you just move on. Yeah, I, I could see it happening. I, I wouldn't count on it. Um, it seems like they're two separate projects, especially since there's the whole of Breath of the Wild that would be between them chronologically. Um, it would be cool though. Yeah. I think if you 100% the game and beat it in the hardest difficulty, they'll give you the teaser trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, the next update. <laughs> Just the same thing. Yeah. 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 Of course. No. Um, I honestly don't think there'll be anything necessarily that will connect to Breath of the Wild 2. Being brutally honest, I think it'll offer more insight into Breath of the Wild. I, 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 think, I think Nintendo as much as nintendo loves to like throw in easter eggs that's all they will be will be easter eggs i think when it comes to zelda they're very guarded about revealing stuff too early and they don't well it's clear the sequel we'll talk about the sequel in just a little bit the sequel is a continuation of the first of the original breath of the wild they don't generally plan around story first and and can these be connective stories despite you know that has been a subject of debate for a very long time <laughs> uh I, I i would i would imagine in this game it would be highly unusual to have something significant revealed here that would be paid off in breath of the wild 2 i'm not saying it can't happen i just personally don't think they will go that route with this but i'd love to be proven wrong yeah, i'm inclined sure. to agree with that I, I would love it but i don't expect it is there any areas from Breath of the Wild that you want to see given more attention in Age of the Calamity? This is a patron question from Wavy Chula. I'd just like to know if there's any zone or something you'd like Castle to see more Castletown. Of. Castletown. <laughs> it's always just wrecked now. <laughs> I never get to see it. It's prime, dude. I think I mean, just that sentiment for, for all of the areas. We see everything mm -hmm. in ruins. The Castletown, we see the Temple of Time in ruins. I think when, when this game came out everybody was saying well i want the dlc or whatever next game to be rebuilding all of this and now we might finally get to see well what did this look like beforehand um what was it like when there were more towns and more people i mean one of the most like 
Zelda super nerd exciting moments for me playing Breath of the Wild the first time was coming across Lon Lon Ranch and having that moment of like, oh, this is like a farm, huh? Oh, oh, that's weird. That's wait, hold on a second. And then like mm-hmm. pulling up screenshots of Lon Lon Ranch from Ocarina of Time and being like, oh my God, I'm at Lon Lon Ranch. Like, yeah, so you know, I want to hang out on Lon Lon Ranch. <laughs> yeah, I think we could definitely see a lot a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like there's so many opportunities for Easter eggs for that too, because so many areas had names tied to various, because there's no like official continuity in this game to the other games. Like it's still like uh, up in the air at this point, but so many names were Easter eggs. They could play all day with that bringing mm-hmm, stuff up. Yeah. Like even like the, the was it the tingle islands and stuff like maybe tingle will finally show up in there or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, you Who could knows? find that, like yeah. that statue from skyward sword that like mm-hmm. fell to the ground at the end of skyward sword. Like, I that stuff is so such an yeah. easy like get for me because I that's like, you know what I mean? and that's like, that's like, feels me. like the the place that they would do that that they would explore that yeah. considering the last game how they had that much fan service I feel like we could get a lot of that here yeah please give it to me I'll take it yeah yeah I want to wrap this up by asking this might seem like an obvious question but uh it was a big question until this game was announced but maybe it's still up in the air is breath sorry is is Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity just call it Breath of the Wild Zero yeah Breath of the Wild Zero is this Nintendo's big holiday title like this the November release everyone was questioning is this it I do think so yes yeah yeah like I don't see what else unless there's like a new Mario game randomly coming out or something I get yeah like do you do you feel it's big enough I guess to qualify I think Animal Crossing was big enough yeah, that they don't say. have to worry about it. Yeah, big enough. They're going to have enough on their shelves for this holiday. I think that this is big enough, like you said. Yeah, yeah I mean, to me, it was funny when it got announced because I, I still had some optimism of like, maybe we'll get Breath of the Wild 2 this year. But the moment they announced Age of Calamity, I was like, that's very exciting. That is also a confirmation that <laughs> yep. Breath of the Wild 2 is not mm-hmm. coming out this year, which is fine. So, yeah, I'll wait. Uh, it's so funny. Watching that uh, reveal trailer, I kept saying, oh, the Breath of the Wild sequel is getting delayed. And everyone loved to point out how it never had a title, dude. How can it be delayed? And I'm like, I meant like internally. It's like internally, of course. Like I was like, I still believe there was a chance it was going to come out this year, even with COVID. It's like, there's still a chance, still a chance to come out. This would be a really good time as a counter to the new consoles, please. And it's like, no, this is pretty much, yeah, this was the nail in the coffin. It said like, mm-hmm. uh-huh, this is it. But it is being themed with Breath of the Wild, I think it's a genius move. I, yep. I absolutely I, I agree. I mean, I, I, that's why I said it's obvious. Obvious to me, this is their big holiday title. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't even need this. Uh, they were Nintendo was doing so well with everything else. They really did not need a anything to go up against the new consoles for this fall or to even maintain momentum for the next few months. But this is going to just like, this is probably going to be not only like one of the best-selling Zelda games to watch, going to surpass so many of them. It's going it's to be the best Musou game ever, selling yeah. Musou game. Absolutely. Probably, I think yeah. so. Easily it, take that crown. It draws in so many different types of players. I feel like it's going to hit yeah, everybody who, who wants to play this sort of thing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I want to move into our final topic, which is the sequel to Breath of the Wild, the game that is not coming out this year that uh, uh, Inuma actually gave us a message, an update saying that we have to wait a little bit longer before getting an update on that. Um, Whatever you want to read from that, you know, you can take away, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be that much longer potentially until we see it again. 
I'm curious more about what do you three want to see in the sequel? Brad, having you recently replayed Breath of the Wild, you have it the freshest in your memory, all the stuff we've been talking about with uh, what we love in that game, what maybe we didn't like, and the stuff that we're probably going to see in Age of Calamity. What, yeah, well, what direction do you want to see them go with the sequel? I want proper dungeons, or like different themes at least for dungeons. I want a little more variation there. I really, so I'm really happy they're showing Ganon at least already. I need, like, I, Clemente Ganon is fine for, he served his purpose, but I miss the, this threat kind of taunting you throughout the story. Like, he's just kind of back there in the castle, but you don't really, like, talk with him or interact with him really at all until the end of the game. So I'm hoping they do that. And then I hope Zelda's involved a little more in this story. It kind of seems like that. I think Zelda is really good usually when Link has a companion character because he doesn't, he doesn't really talk himself. So I think it's good to have a character talk for him, kind of like how Minda does stuff like that. So I hope Zelda kind of fills that role for him. Brad, you said all the things that I want as well. Um, I think that there's traditional dungeons, at least the fact that they're a little bit more themed um, would go a really long way uh, for the sequel for me. Um, the other thing that you didn't mention that personally I would like is we saw all of this Sheikah technology uh, in Breath of the Wild. I would like to explore into that, that a little bit more and see more of the Sheikah people, um, what that technology is like, a little bit more background on that. Maybe they have time to make it grow again now that they're rebuilding, um, as well as the um, the Sheikah slate and the runes. If they're not going to bring back the you know traditional items that we have, like the hookshot you know, boomerang, all those things um, to get more variety in the runes because I think those have a lot of potential as well. I would like um, if, if they do bring back the four, whatever, how many it was um, from Breath of the Wild to maybe include some more uh, to take the place of items if we're not going to get that back. I don't want co-op. I think that's something that people are I, I don't really want that either. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I, I do like the idea of like Zelda being playable. I think that'd be really cool in like a mainline Zelda. I also like the idea of her being a companion, but I don't I don't think I want it to be co-op. I also I also because you um you said that uh Onuma did say that it will be in the same Hyrule. He did so, say that. So let me bring this up. So we have a patron question that was more about what we wanted to see from Kerbu, who wanted to remind us that um, in a recent issue, uh, a recent quote attributed to Game Informer, one of the this is the quote. One of the reasons we wanted to create a content uh, continuation was because I wanted to revisit that Hyrule again and use that world again while incorporating new gameplay and new story. So they wanted to ask us how we felt about the potential that it's going to be the exact same world again and what do they need to do to make it feel different. But sorry, continue with your point first. Well, I mean, that that was kind of just like a... I, I just want to bring that up because um, I, I think I do want that. I think I want mm. to revisit that Hyrule. I want to see how it's grown and changed over time. I don't know how much longer it takes place after the original game, but like, there are certainly instances like... There hasn't been a lot of success. I mean, maybe there are examples that I'm not thinking of, but like the one that comes to mind is like Crackdown 2 took place in the same city as Crackdown 1. And that was like a huge bummer. But that also like that setting wasn't really a place I loved and liked being in and wanted to see it change. Like I in in that kind of game, I was like, I'm ready to go to a new place. Let's go to a new place. Mm -hmm. But here, like I want to find new things in that huge world. I love that world. I think there's like a really cool opportunity to like put new stories within that world. So 
that's something I do want. I don't want them to overhaul and create a new Hyrule. I, I, I kind of want that like Majora's Mask approach where it's like, we take some, you know, we take assets, we, we change things, we, we get a little more experimental. Like that's my hope for it is like, it's surprising and experimental in, with a Zelda game that was already pretty experimental to begin with. So I like it's kind the of one of those things. Is, no, ahead, uh, just quickly, I was going to say, it's like one of those things that like, I just want to be surprised, which is like a weird thing mm. to ask for, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I'm sorry, please go ahead, Rebecca. I like the point that you bring up about Majora's Mask because I feel like they can use the framework and assets and everything they have for Breath of the Wild and give us an, a new, fresh experience with it. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing something a little bit darker, um, maybe something um, just building on what they already have and, and giving us all those things that we, that we had before that we want back um, as well and just making it a huge, grand experience, I think, has the potential of making it better than the first game in my opinion if, if they can pull that off so i agree with you kyle that i want to feel surprised as long as they can make me feel surprised and make me feel like it, it feels new i'm good with that my concern to the, your point and what you talked about rebecca is that i feel like there's already the best opportunity to do this would have been in a, a prequel seeing like hyrule rebuilt would have been oh man how this this looks like a, there's civilization here that's one opportunity but the if we're going to go forward i feel like they have to for me it has to be a radically overhauled hyrule mm -hmm. i don't want the same geography because i'll be like oh yeah there's some new things here but this is still the same largely environment that i've been to before i i, I my concern is that it'll feel Every game that, uh, granted, none of these are open world games that I'm going to illustrate here, but every game that I've ever played that was direct, that was a sequel that took place largely in the same world, mostly been like RPGs, like Final Fantasy X-2, uh, Tales of Zillia, Exilia 2, um, like two ones has come to mind. There's been like one or two others, but everything else but the environments appealed to me in those sequels because they were literally the same. They tried to like maybe age them up. Uh, oh, a few years of development have happened, but otherwise the sense of exploration was completely gone. I think, uh, to be fair, I think Breath of the Wild sequel can do a much better that with open world nature. But for me, I'll just say, I really hope, I'll disagree and say, I really hope, I don't need a new Hyrule, Kyle. Just go, go to a new land, go somewhere else. Give me a new world. I Period. think that quote that yeah. you said doesn't necessarily mean um, that yes. it's going to be the same exact map. I think we might see what's beyond the mountains in the, the map mm -hmm. that we already explored. We could still go, maybe they go on a journey someplace else, but it's yes. still that Hyrule. It's still the same, you know, sense of exploration that we felt on the map. It's just new area. I don't think it's going to be the exact same map that we were exploring before without, it could still be the same Hyrule without doing that. Thank you for pointing that out. Like, I, the 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 warning here is to maybe not take the quote so literally. <laughs> mm -hmm. When it comes to Zelda stuff and pre-release stuff, it's better to be a little bit cautious than take it as you know. This is fact. This is cemented. It will not change. Yeah, the world of Hyrule can be much larger than what we just saw. I mean, you go to the boundaries, you see giant land masses beyond where you're allowed to go. It's like, oh, what's over there? Maybe next. What's game? beyond the mountains? What's mm -hmm. past the ocean? A little All, bit. Mm -hmm. Also, the tease of maybe underground. You know, yeah. that is also a Zelda yeah. one theme was all the dungeons were called underground labyrinths. Maybe there's a giant underground labyrinth under there, like a labyrinth plural that you're going to go explore. Who who knows? Like the possibility as long as they have some layer of that going on, some different area underground. Um, I'm really thrilled because I just don't know how much it doesn't seem like a lot of time has passed between 
Breath of the Wild in this no, game for, look, to like radically alter the landscape of the, the environment to satisfy what you were alluding to, Kyle. Not saying they can't do it, but I, that's where my concern comes from. Uh, not sure if that seems, you know, if that's founded or not, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I also, I also like the idea of it just like Hyrule, like being there in full, but like 90% of the game takes place on an island, you know, off to the east. Like it's just oh, yes. there just as like, we made it. It's part of the world. You can run around it if you want, but the game you're playing is actually over here on this island. You know, that'd be weird. That would be so it's, amazing. <laughs> Red That's why it's taking so long. Red Dead 2 got really close to pulling a trick like that, honestly, but not quite where it was like, mm. you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of Red Dead 1 in there, but there wasn't really like anything you could do over in that section of the game, you know? Like, gotcha. Okay, okay. okay. I'm not familiar enough with Red Dead 2. I've barely touched it, but... Oh, you should you, play it. It's a great game. I need, I need, it's a game I definitely need to play. <laughs> has, has anyone I, recommended I'm a, I'm a, that to you? I'm a, I'm a, oh, yes. I think a few people. I think this guy named Brandon <laughs> yes. Jones has told me about this game a few times. Just a few times. Uh, there's actually a little bit of like an interesting Easter egg about precedent for something like this. The original Zelda 1, uh, its map is in the map of Zelda 2. Like Zelda 2 is like mm-hmm. a much larger world where part of it, a small part of Zelda 1's map is still there. Or sorry, Zelda 1's map makes up a small part of Zelda 2's map. Maybe with the sequel, it's like, hey, remember Bre- Breath of Wild's giant overworld? It's just a small part of the larger world, uh, like you said. Yeah. That would be amazing, man. Yes, uh, I would love that idea. I love that idea. That makes me very excited you also have the root you just made me think the root of like games like a link to the past where um uh you get the dark world aspect of it so it's the same map but it's different because yeah and then same thing with twilight princess did something very similar that yeah that's a really good point yeah yes and that's very smart that's their bread and butter i feel like and that's one of the things they did so well back in and when's the last time they revisited was twilight princess no like between worlds that you go back and forth what, but dark world in, in 3d though it's like twilight princess was really the last one with like uh, the twilight realm right the uh, skyward sword yeah. didn't have any of that as so, far, yeah. And, yeah so i mean it's been a while it's been 14 plus mm-hmm. years since uh, the, the since twilight princess i would not object to them bringing back that concept and seeing them do it in an open world game yes that's mm-hmm. great uh so good i'm i'm kind of curious we talked a little bit about item structure items you already alluded to like maybe they increased the amount of runes you said rebecca like the technology there so i'm curious do any of you have any thoughts or opinions on would they do you think they're capable of making a zelda game that if they let's say they introduce traditional dungeons and they want to bring back like the item like unique item thing is there a way to do you think there's a way for them to do that where a it's not introduced at the beginning there's so you you have to find an item out in after the fact but not feel like dungeons are so one-dimensional in terms of like you absolutely need this item do you think they can have that flexibility because we talked about the appeal of the shrines and even the divine beast that wonder of being able to do solve something so many different ways do you think they could pull that off if they they, if they did that some of the items just giving you an advantage or something to make it easier for you to do something like if you get a the hook shot or something you can bypass a huge part or something like that but I think they could still design a level without that theory, though, Damiani. You're not mm-hmm. going to have the Sheikah Slate in this game. It's going to get broke. Gan's going to break it. Link's so we're going to do it Metroid. That, okay. that shot of Link in like, his hand in the, the trailer shot or whatever, like, that's going to be some weird corruption on Link's hand 
that will be your new tool that you'll mm. use. Oh, okay. I like that Just theory. Good theory. I mean, you, you guys have brought a hook shot a lot. That is like the one I didn't really, it's not like I missed those traditional Zelda items necessarily in Breath of the Wild, but the hook shot is something I yeah. think could be integrated really well. I mean, I think it would be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm not a designer. I wouldn't, I can't imagine how difficult it would be, but like to have that hook shot to let you bypass big swaths of climbing, I think would be really awesome. Like I would, I would really like the that. climbing was a big complaint for a lot of people, um, especially when it rains, it's hard to climb, mm-hmm. you know, big, big cliffs and whatnot. Um, like how Brad was saying, I feel like that thing could be optional, but really helps you with your exploration later on if you do want it. Um, so you could still climb to get there if you wanted, but maybe later you find the hook shot and um, it helps you get there a little faster, yeah. you know, pass by bigger, bigger parts. Yeah. Uh, like I like, I like still, the idea of going. Go Yeah, so I I like the idea of going into a dungeon and you can do about half the dungeon, but within that dungeon, you need the hookshot to complete it. Mm -hmm. And then outside of the dungeon, it just becomes Mm -hmm. an aid in exploration. And then like, I would like to see a series of dungeons like that with like, you need the item to complete that specific dungeon. Mm -hmm. But outside of the dungeon is just like a a bonus item, which I guess is is pretty much how typical Zelda items work, right? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, if you really think about it. Like I can see them doing things like combat, upgrades like too. Maybe they upgrade yeah. your bombs somehow, make them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Which they already, I mean, they did, you do upgrade all of them once, right? Yeah, a little, the stasis oh, yeah. thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Maybe more dramatic though, upgrades. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I feel like some kind of like reward, uh, having some kind of reward system where you go explore over here, you find a bonus shrine and that now powers up x ability or x item or something like that would be a really nice way to encourage that uh think about the the hook shot i think those are really good points about aiding and traversal i think it'd be brilliant for them to combine it with the uh the glider uh paraglider uh just pulling batman arkham style like you grapple and like <laughs> launch yourself off of like you know a rampart or something you shoot yourself yeah, out yeah. and like now you got extra you can keep yourself gliding further and further I, one of the things i i'm curious is like we had horses but there were ask for some kind of maybe flying system or mount, mm-hmm. like flying mount type thing that could be your solution it's like it's not quite full flight but i as long as you're near like a high enough structure you can just keep relaunching yourself up and stuff and that could be kind of fun i think just make it just cause that's all we want, <laughs> just, <right? yes. laughs> like, there you go just make it just i forgot yeah i forgot they do that too um yeah i, I always feel like they have a big hurdle big challenge to overcome when it comes to like where how they place items in the game when you get them and how important they are to dungeon structure i think the biggest pushback i see from people who are against the idea of introducing items later on is that as you said people do not want to get to a point in a dungeon like you cannot solve this you can't complete this dungeon you need this item they're like no that goes against the spirit of breath of the wild i was able to do anything as long as i was clever enough i had all the tools so now that puts extra onus on the developers we need to figure as rad suggests make maybe just hooks it up to a higher level and it gives you a shortcut if you have it otherwise you're going to go through like a gauntlet of enemies if you don't have it just makes it harder but is that going to be appealing let's we're assuming maybe they have multiple dungeons after the second or third time of that trick isn't it get, like will that get old and you'll be like uh there i if i don't have this i'm just gonna have to fight a few more enemies that's all it is like can they make mm-hmm. it more meaningful i guess is the challenge like evolving puzzle solving like that by by how many items you have access to i think that's a really big challenge for them and I, i'd love to see them try it I, I think they could that would elevate the game a lot compared to its predecessor is there anything about so we talked about Zelda and playable Zelda? 
I, I, I'm, I'm with you that I don't want multiplayer in this game. Um, I'm kind of curious how important do you think it is that Zelda is playable in the sequel after the, the history of like kind of the interviews they've given about why Zelda hasn't been playable, basically lore reasons. It, it mm-hmm. sometimes has come across a little tone deaf um, about, you know, okay, you're okay. It's not a malicious reason, but at the same time, you're not really cognizant of why people are asking for it. Do you think it's essential that she's playable in this game? Or do you think they'll be okay if she's not playable? it's essential i could see her having another role as as long as she's she does have another role and she's not absent for 90 percent of the game i would like to see her have a little bit more of an active role i do think a lot of um the games where she does have a more active role in have been some of the greatest ones where she shines um so i would like to see that that doesn't necessarily mean having her playable um if it is i would rather it just be in um you know minor segments or smaller segments instead Let's of the just whole say, game i think link will be the main character still but i think there could be parts where she does play a role in some more i don't know she'll do like magic or something just something else different than link that link doesn't have yeah like maybe she'll use the sheikah slate or something instead of him i don't know mm-hmm. i mean this like this is just on my mind because of the prince of persia remake and i was playing mm-hmm. prince of persia 2008 recently yeah. which is where you have prince and elica and the way that game works is like you're playing as the prince but you're basically playing as both of them at the same time like there's a lot of abilities where she comes in and helps you doing like an extra leap or something like that i think that would be kind of a cool approach of like sure like you're you're mainly controlling link but when it comes to like climbing and doing different things like Mm -hmm. zelda is part of the animation and she's integral you know i think that would be really cool i mean i i would really love as just like a longtime zelda fan um but the series and the character of like that sort of Metal Gear Solid 2 Raiden approach. Like see Link from a different, from somebody else's perspective. You know what I mean? Like the yes. hero that you've been playing as for decades. Like you get to play as Zelda, you get to learn more about Zelda and you get to see a different side of Link. I think that would be really amazing. I think Nintendo would be scared to do that. I think the, they would be nervous. About uh, the that. thing that makes me hesitant about that is that Link is just not really a character so much. He doesn't That's true. talk yeah. like Raiden and yeah. Snake are like very vocal characters in their own personalities. Not opposed to that. Some would argue. Yeah. Like we got brief snippets of that in like Zelda's journal or diary or whatever in Breath of the Wild. But yeah, I think there's room to experiment with it, but I don't know how far they'll go. Yeah. yeah. That is a very good point. I mean, he just, I mean, is, is watching Link. Yeah, if you're playing a Zelda and you're like, oh, let, what, let me learn about Link. Is it just watching a character kind of grunt and like, mm-hmm. you know, just like kind of <laughs> yeah. stare in the distance while you, you know, open that door? It, there might not be much there. Uh, yeah. I, it also makes me think about the, the spear track system because, you know, mm-hmm. having Zelda technically playable in that game. Like if, if that's the more realistic approach where they, they, they split it up like that. Like segments, dr- yeah. Yeah, my dread is I don't want toggle where i'm playing his link hit a button now i'm playing his uh, Zelda. it's like uh, yeah, i think yeah, that I will completely either. ruin it's uh, like re0 yeah yeah too I much don't i don't think they should do that i think i agree it's like staggering it into sections or just a small portion or she's just she's alongside you like she's your guide or she's mm-hmm. she's in the chic slate like all right i've done my like research here i'll highlight some things for you it feels like you're actually working in tandem together because that would be uh, perfect. I think that's the dynamic they need to nail. <laughs> Whatever they do, they need to de- nail that dynamic. Or for me, it's going to be a bit of a letdown, honestly. But I mean, I it's going to be a huge bummer if what we saw that E3, that trailer, that was the opening of the game of Zelda getting 
taken screen away. time. <sighs> oh, yeah, that's again. that's and that's the re- biggest tease. Yeah, that's that the real bummer. nightmare. Actually, yeah, that is that's that was a uh, that was a uh, Phantom Hourglass man. Uh, <laughs> this great character Tetra, and then like whoa, she she rocked in the Wind Waker, and all of a sudden we're in Phantom Hourglass at the beginning. Like okay, Lincoln Tetra Zelda going on an adventure together. She gets kidnapped. It's like, okay, yeah. great job. I really did like her role in, in Wind Waker, though. I, if, yeah. I think if they could do something similar to that, because she even had, as Zelda had a role in the final battle as well. Um, yeah, with, uh, I mean, that's another example of them lighters. working in tandem, like the the final boss fight of a lot of games. I mean, Ocarina as well, you know, mm-hmm. like she kind of helps you out. Like have that integrated throughout the whole game. I think that would be, I think that'd be really cool. So that's a, I, I really like that. And the, uh, what I was trying to get at before I forgot, I was struggling to find the answer now, and it just you just reminded me. Majora's Mask and the Wind Waker. Majora's Mask was the first instance of uh, not the mask, but the the Seikon's hideout where you switch between Cafe oh. and you. The that toggling, but then in the Wind Waker, you took full control of your. But there were some sections when you lost them or something like that. So like in dungeons, I could see that maybe making sense, something like mm-hmm. that. That that was that was one of the most unique moments for me in the Zelda series up until maybe like the item renting in the link between worlds and open world and breath of the wild was co-op like you co-op dungeons but you're controlling both characters yourself i was like and they each have unique abilities that you need to use in tandem to solve i was like they really never went back to this again and there's a real big opportunity i think maybe as long as it's not like the entire game is go back and like move link here now move like four four swords adventures playing solo is what i'm dreading where you have four links and yeah. you gotta maneuver them individually. I hate that was horrible. I don't want anything like that ever again. Basically, oof, bad nightmares about that. <laughs> um, this one, there's a lot of talk about the music and audio design in, in Breath of the Wild. It went for its minimalistic approach, but if you actually get the soundtrack, there's a ton of music in, mm-hmm. in Breath of the Wild. Really good soundtrack. I'm kind of curious if the three of you, if you would personally prefer to see them continue that approach, the more minimalistic approach, or do you feel, you feel maybe they should go back in the other direction where writing across Hyrule, you have like the epic Hyrule theme, field theme kick in or something like that. Or do you think maybe there's a, a solution in between potentially? I really did like the music in Breath of the Wild a lot. Um, and I think the minimalist uh, sounds for it made sense for the exploration of the world it felt very you're alone in this giant world um and it made sense for that and then when you got to the villages um the sounds became more dynamic the the songs um stood out a little bit more so i don't necessarily think that it would be that same way in the sequel because it's going to be a different situation it's going to be a different atmosphere um so i didn't i didn't mind it in breath of the wild but i feel like there's room for the music to be more dynamic in the sequel yeah, I, sorry, I just, sometimes I think about, like, Dragon Quest, Damiani, like, Dragon Quest Eleven. Mm-hmm. like, I love the music, but it just, like, in that overworld theme, it's just, like, the same thing through the whole game. Um, thinking about, if I'm in Hyrule Field, just messing around for hours, like, kind of need a break every now and then, you know? Like, if it's just the same thing repeating over and over and over. If they throw in a lot more variation, that could help, but I kind of want to see them experiment more with the system how it is right now. I do like that feeling of kind of that isolation feeling you get from it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Loneliness, I think is a word that Mm -hmm. Rebecca used of like, that game does feel lonely to its credit in an interesting way, but in our, you know, 
imagining of what the sequel could be if Zelda's with you a lot more yeah then maybe there is more music mm-hmm. you know? I don't know but yeah I mean I love the sort of like really overt Zelda score like I'm a fan of that but like I think it just worked really well in Breath of the Wild even if I did kind of miss the more specific like you know the forest temple music and stuff like that like that it kind of lacked that but like yeah it just worked. sure it worked so well like the it was so like when there were these you know musical swells it was really compelling and interesting right. and moving one of the things I really liked and appreciated the most about the sound design in Breath of the Wild that I hope they continue is the way sound informs you in the game. Um, like when you're approaching uh, too cold of a climate, too hot of a climate, like when there's like danger, those little melodies, they play those few notes that will like basically it trains your brain to like that. That's it. Like uh, I need to switch gear or someone spotted me like stuff like that. I think they did an excellent job with that and just hammering that home. I really hope they continue at least that part of it because uh, I found it very effective and I found it very immersive for, for me rather than having some kind of like on screen pop up or something like, like how other games tackle it. This just felt so natural to me. I think we'll all get anxious every time we hear those really high key piano notes of the, the mm-hmm. guardian after you. I want to know what, yeah, what's the new version of those? Like, what is like the new terror yeah. that's going to intimidate you that you feel this sense of dread? They did such a good job with that, I think, in the first game. And I want to see more of that in the sequel, too. It's just enemies that you feel genuinely, genuinely feel threatening that I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. I feel like I should probably lose this. I f- like that was, that was like the, the, the mystique around the the guardians for a long time until i finally decided to confront them and getting over that like it's like a fear once you get past it's like i i even though they're still intimidating i know how to deal with them now i I love that 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 moment in a game especially in breath of the wild i really hope they deliver more of that like whatever that new enemy type is i i hope they nail it again for sure yeah yeah but for music I'd like to say a little bit of a mix, but then again, I always forget how much there, there was a lot of music in Breath of the Wild. Like all the towns had the music that constantly music, playing. Yeah. So I, I would even be satisfied. Like the first time you enter a new environment, it plays like a theme and then it stops. It goes back to like, you know, just playing nature sounds or something like that. <sighs> yeah. I, 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 that for whatever reason, that and dungeons were like the most polarizing thing I ever saw about Breath of the Wild. We, we talked a lot about dungeons. Um, we didn't really talk so much about bosses. I'm kind of curious if you felt, A, yeah. if you felt the boss fights were good enough for Breath of the Wild and what you'd like to see them do in terms of bosses in the sequel. I kind of like with some of the bosses related to the actual environment and like the, the temple itself. Like, I do like they tried something different with them all being kind of parts of Ganon. But I kind of miss when like I go to this specific zone and fight this very specific enemy tied to this area. So yeah, I hope they do a little more of that. I do. I feel like I beat some of the bosses just with like, just like bow literally arrow. throwing bow and bows and arrows at them and like throwing swords at them. I would like a little bit more puzzle solving. Cause that was, I love that about Zelda bosses is like, once you figure it out, like it's really rewarding to do the, you know, go through the process that you've figured out. And I feel like Breath of the Wild lacked that a little bit. Like I still enjoyed the boss fights, but I missed the puzzle nature of the boss fights. Hmm. I think a big part of that is because we didn't get a new item in the dungeon to use. Most of the boss fights in Zelda games have to do with, okay, I got this new item. 
I used it throughout the dungeon to solve puzzles. Now I have to use it in most cases to fight the boss. Um, so you're right, a lot of the divine beasts were just okay. I, I need to hit it with an arrow and a sword um, because there weren't those new items. Such a good point. I do really miss that as well. I'd even take if they're just going to go the approach where you're just going to get all the items up front again and they add a few more. Uh, if you can recall, I don't know if everyone played it, but the, the Mr. Freeze fight in uh, Arkham, was it Asylum or City? Sorry. Where you can only use uh, one one variant and that's it. And you have to find multiple ways. You have to use multiple different tactics to take down mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze. I'd love to see that. And that Zelda boss, like, oh, I can just, you know, jump in the air and freeze, slow down time and shoot a bunch of arrows at its crit spot. It's like, okay, now I'm going to defend against that and you can never use that again. Figure oh. like that's, I would love that where it's like, and you still, you only took a tenth of my health off. So good luck finding out nine other ways to do damage mm-hmm. to me. Maybe not that extreme, but I would love that to solve, like to solve the puzzle element if that's the approach they took. You just reminded me of the um, the boss fights, um, the rematches in the DLC where they took away a lot of your items and you only had mm-hmm. maybe five arrows to use and you didn't have any swords or spears or anything. Um, I found myself for those fights getting a little bit more creative. I had to use my runes a little bit more um, as weapons. Um, so that, that was a layer of creativity um, in the second round of fighting them that I wasn't expecting. We talked a lot about the bosses and the dungeons. I'm kind of, I mean, this can also apply to the overworld. Uh, did you feel satisfied about the premise of having like boss-like monsters out in the overworld that you just stumble across? And would you, what kind of changes would you like to see that, if any, in the, in the sequel? Uh, more, I liked those more unique ones because there's really mm-hmm. only there mm-hmm. was the um, the big moblins and then the uh, the centaurs, right? I mean, that's basically it. Like, they had I would the Mondugas, like to... they had the, yeah, the, oh, the, the stone okay, yeah. taluses. Um, they did have, I think there were four or five different ones, but you're right. I think the variety, the only variety that we had in them is that they had um, different version of, versions of them. Um, like yeah. I think there was the, um, the, the, the volcano, the Elden stone talus was a little bit more fiery. The one yeah. in the mountains was a little bit ice. Like I would, I, I, four or five, that's actually more than I remembered, but like, I would just more of those because it was the first time you ran into that giant moblin or goblin or whatever, like, you know, breaking through the trees and you just saw that thing sleeping. It was like, whoa, what what did I come across here? Is it, you know what I mean? Uh, I, so I would like that moment more. And I think the way to do that would just have to be more types of those things, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree. More variety, I think, of that. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if you had anything to send that, Brad, or you, you pretty much just in agreement with that. No, I mean, I think that was a good starting point for kind of what I like them to do, obviously, like what they all said, just a little more variation in that. So I want to By read the way, his... Brad. Oh, congratulations for beating it on master mode. That's, that's oh, thanks. Not, that's like no small feat. I think I've got like one dungeon. That's like by the furthest I've gotten. It gets master easier mode. as you go on. Yeah. Uh, that's that's impressive, man. Are, are we all in agreement that there should be some difficulty setting at the beginning of the game? Again, like just straight up, like don't yeah, have to. Yeah, I mean that should be in every it. game. Doesn't have I'm, to be I'm DLC always for yeah. options. <laughs> I think I mean, even like a super easy mode, I would be. It's an accessibility oh, yeah. thing, yeah. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I feel good about them having that too. I was going to redirect the question about the the overall bosses to you, Brad, and and mm-hmm. rephrase it as. More about the structure of storytelling in the game as well, because this could potentially lead to a boss encounter. 
Um, cause I'm not entirely familiar with either Kyle or, or Rebecca, how much you've ever played of, uh, some other open world games. I'm going to bring up ghost of Tsushima as mm-hmm. the most recent example about how they handle narrative progression, in a game beyond just like the main story quest, uh, how it is completely optional to go to a lot of these other side areas. And if, should you go to those areas, you get these new side quest lines that have very, to me, very intriguing stories that tell you more about the current region, about the characters of that region. So they culminate either in like a, a, a good payoff, whether it's a boss encounter, like a uh, knees, like a duel, or some kind of new ability or skill is equipped to you. Brad, I'm kind of curious, would you like to see more of that applied to Breath of the Wild? Like maybe them try and take that direction? Sure, or, yeah. Yeah. Like you could just explore, like you get to know a region better by doing yeah. stuff like that. Like I just picture in my head, like <laughs> one quest line is you like starting off fighting with Gorons and eventually culminating a sumo showdown with Gorons, something kind of like Twilight Princess did. Something yes. like that. You can get to know the citizens, like, because there's a people in the town, you know, and you kind of know a few of them. But maybe if you get to get, get to know the community a lot more, that'd be great. Exactly what I was thinking of. Yes. So I'm curious Matt, for, like... yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was saying, I like those big long-term side quests. There weren't that many in Breath of the Wild, but like buying the house, you know, yeah. which really Terrytown, yeah. Yeah, like I would love just like more of those, just like a handful of those. Like almost in like I would take fewer one-off side quests to have more like just big long-term things that you kind of touch on through the course of the game. Like I really I really love that stuff. That was that was something I totally missed like when I beat the game, I I had to go back and find that like cuz I never found it. Like it, my my wife started playing and she was like, "Oh yeah, I bought a house." I was like, "What? I've beat Ganondorf. I didn't know you could buy a house. That's incredible!" Like I I loved that kind of stuff that like was mechanically different from the rest of the game. You know, did something mm-hmm. unique. Yeah, other th- the the smaller ones felt very fetch quest type uh, side quests. I don't really care for those too much. It, you're right; it's the ones like the Terrytown quests that do shine, um, because you're right; it is over the length of the game. Um, for the most part, it's not something you can really do all at once because you have to recruit all these people that you meet throughout your journey. Um, so I think adding that um, that gives a little bit of a layer of depth to it. I, I would prefer to see those types as well. Well, yeah, glad to hear that. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of the things I think I want the most besides atmospheric dungeons returning is them to kind of refine the quest structure in, in mm-hmm. breath of the wild sequel to basically what everyone was talking about here would love Feels to see them have that job, but yeah mm-hmm. um because i don't think they could play the same card again with the, the amnesia like yeah we're gonna figure out it's a mystery so you're gonna have to like piece the puzzle together it's like yeah. not again yeah I like, think there'll be a think mystery how sick it would be damiani if like there's a Sedona, like side quest where you just go with him doing quests throughout Hyrule and it just has some payoff or something relating to like Zoras or something like that. Like Imagine a if quest line tied to a specific character you go through. It could even culminate in a payoff where the previous game, Divine Beasts, affected your fight with Ganon. Yeah, and they could pretty, age you, you at gotta, some point. But this could them. go even further where you get like additional parts of an ending. Majora's Mask did this. You got some mm-hmm. scenes completely omitted if you didn't have certain masks. Maybe if you didn't pursue all the side, the major side quest lines with these side characters... They just don't appear in your ending or something like that, or you completely missed their storyline. And it's optional. It still satisfies, like, I'm not into that. I don't need to do that. I still beat the game and enjoyed it. Or it's there for people who like it. I would, yeah, I would love to see that for sure. Uh, You mentioned Ghost of Tsushima. The Mm -hmm. big innovation they need to bring forward from that game is just loading. (laughs) Yeah. Fast travel loading. (laughs) uh, 
those new uh, SSDs and those Switch Pros, please. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll USB one of those into there if I can get as fast a load as I did in Ghost of Tsushima. That, that's a whole thing of speculation is whether or not a that Switch Pro is coming out early next year, like the rumors have said, and will Breath of the Wild 2's sequel even take advantage of that? Like what benefits we'll get? And we don't really need to speculate about that. But if so, I mean, that you know, a visual bump would be nice, honestly, and slightly faster load times would definitely be welcome for sure. Uh, but yeah, Ghost of Shima was amazing with that. How far you pick on a map to warp and it's like, it's like, it's... I was like, yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. rough not having something like that in another... Hard to go back after that. Yeah, I'm not quite... Uh, I feel like I've been... I might have missed something, so I'm going to give you a chance. Is there anything about the Breath of the Wild sequel we want to see that we haven't addressed, maybe, that I just didn't think of? Because I feel like there's so much to talk about, and I just maybe missed something. I want to swim underwater. Let oh, me yeah. swim underwater again. That'd be nice. <laughs> sick underwater temple again? Yeah, bring it back. The underwater, some caves, a lot yeah. of little exploration things that they could add in. I I would like a paraglider upgrade. I don't know what it is. Faster I don't know if it's like speed. Yeah, or something like that. Like just like you can it extend its wings so you go faster or further, or maybe you have like a single flap or something to get sure, it a little yeah. higher. I don't know. I just I love that thing so much, man. Like I was I every i remember playing horizon zero dawn right after breath of the wild and like jumping off a cliff and like pressing a button and being like oh it doesn't do anything and like even in ghost of tsushima which i loved i think that's like my favorite game so far this year was like ah i wish i had a parachute or something i just want to jump off cliffs and fly you know climbing cliffs i think has been like the biggest hurdle in any other open world game i've played um it's just something that i haven't oh now we've seen another game we've now seen immortals phoenix rising is basically doing the same thing i actually got hands-on with that game it is surprisingly very much like breath of all day like everyone who's reporting on it is very similar but until that game comes out december 3rd there really hasn't been a game that lets you just like climb up everything like this so i'm curious if there's we, we talked a little bit about like maybe the hook shot or grappling hook could aid you in like climbing is there anything else you may want to see them do to like that system, like in, in, like climbing up objects or anything that can make it more interesting? Because they'll still have wonder, I think, but you know, will it get older maybe faster this time unless they do something different? Um, in Twilight Princess, you had boots that would let you walk on the ceiling. Oh, yeah. something mm-hmm. like that. Magnetic boots, boots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, make the yeah, other magnetic. Maybe you could, you know, not all the way. Like, there's some limitation they can apply to it, but. Maybe you could walk up the side of mountains. I don't know. They also in Twilight Princess they had the spinner too. That on certain um, certain like types of textures, I think it was um, that you could use that to to get up a lot faster. Yeah, that'd be cool too. Yeah, that I would. I would just like them to wholesale take that stuff. Like I would like to yeah. find the spinner from Twilight Princess <laughs> and just like there's just uh, a little bit of dialogue. It's like ah, this is uh, got some. Twi- some twilight pun or something i don't know, <laughs> you know oh my gosh imagine them giving you the spinner in the sequel and like you basically just be like blink skateboarding across all <sighs> with it yeah. <laughs> just going up surfaces and stuff. Yeah, yeah i mean you got the shield yeah, surfing already yeah. you know yeah yeah like I hey just if they added the a motorcycle they can add anything mm-hmm. that yeah, hell yeah totally forgot they put a motorcycle in there. <laughs> yeah, as they should yeah amazing 
Um, I guess the only thing I was thinking about like is um, like a skill system with climbing, like uh, like your gear, like getting spike boots it? or yeah, like an upgrade system that way. Like they really have something some gear to climb in the rain. Some of that, but yeah, like definitively made it clear like you never have to worry about climbing in the rain with this gear, or you're gonna climb yeah. minimum three times faster with these mm-hmm. spike boots or whatever. Like you're just gonna like zip up there or something like that. I mean, it could even be a clothing item, but it just is yeah. more significant. Because, like, you mm-hmm. could find stuff that made you climb faster, but, like, it would be cool, like you said, if you could find boots that made you climb, like, way faster. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. was, like, you know, you would always put them on to climb. You know, that'd be kind of cool. The one other thing, um, I really liked the uh, sword techniques that you learned throughout the course of the game in Twilight Princess and the Minish Cap. I think those were the two main ones that had it. Um, So throughout the course of the game, you were learning all these different new ways to use your sword. Maybe you couldn't do it before, like the spin attacks and the the strikes and all those things, um, just to give him another another method of fighting. Totally. Yeah. I'm not sure if I want... It's always been a weird thing for me. Zelda's combat's always felt the way more methodical and slower paced. Like it's like a sword fight, but it's never been like at the level of depth of like a, like a souls combat. It's not quite ever that level, but it's also not heavy, like action focused, like character action games or mm-hmm. even like it's in this weird space in between. And I've always kind of wondered if it could evolve beyond that in one of the other directions. So I'm not sure. Maybe it's fine where it is. But as you said, like learning more techniques might be that measure to to improve that and feel make it feel a little bit more rich and diverse than it, it has in the past. I, I feel like it does need some more oomph to it or something like that. And those are really good examples. Even just like the down thrust. Just give me back the down thrust or whatever from like Zelda 2. Let me just downstab mm-hmm. something. Jump off a cliff and it's like, <laughs> see if you land on it or not. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, it kind of was already there sort of, but I mean making it look goofier, I think would be kind of funny or an up thrust or something like that. Woof. Breath of the Wild sequel. Do you, uh, do you think it's, do you think it's going to be called Breath of the Wild and then have a subtitle or do you think it's going to be called something else? Not even have Breath of the Wild in a title. Mm. No, I think, I think that's that you can't, I don't think you can, can't not have Breath of the Wild in it. Cause that is as, People just call that game Breath of the Wild. They don't even call it Zelda. They don't call it the Zelda Switch game. They call it Breath of the Wild, you know? Oh, I actually disagree. I don't think it will have Breath of the Wild uh, in the title. It's, it isn't typically what um, what Nintendo seems to do with their naming scheme for that series. Um, Majora's Mask was a direct sequel for Ocarina of Time, and it didn't have Ocarina of Time in the title. Same thing with their other direct sequel games. Um, yeah, Phantom when they, when they, Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. When they announced it, they just said the sequel to Breath of the Wild is in development. They didn't say, no, they didn't really ever call it Breath of the Wild 2. That's what yeah. fans called it. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, I, I tend to lean towards that as well. Their naming convention history does indicate that's the more likely scenario. How explosive and success and popularity Breath of the Wild has been, though, does give me pause that they might actually consider keeping that branding in some capacity for for the sequel uh i don't know if they'd be so bold as to ditch there will be no legend of zelda in the title it'll be breath of the wild subtitle under that so breath of the wild is now the title of the series i i don't know if they'll go that far but i, I would not be surprised if they did that even though I lean more on your side, Rebecca, that there will be a long title, the legend of Zelda breath of the wild, whatever comes next. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, I think they want to avoid that honestly, but I'm just, 
hope we see it sometime soon. Um, it feels yeah. like it felt like it'd been a while since we saw it at, when it came when we had that E3 teaser, and now with everything that's happened, it feels like that was like forever ago. So I'm just I'm just so excited to to see it again at some point. But yeah, thank you. I think that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Thank you so much, the three of you, for joining me, having these wonderful discussions about Breath of the Wild, and it's uh, I guess it's a, gonna be a trilogy. I see people throwing that out there now. That's like with Age of Calamity and the sequel, it's gonna be a trilogy of games. Technically, I don't know if that's gonna be official or anything like that. But you know, we have a trilogy of Breath of the Wild, three Breath of the Wild <laughs> style games or theme games. I guess is the better way to put it. Um, I want to thank everyone who submitted a question for this episode of Friend Code. To submit questions for episodes of Friend Code, you got to be a $5 and up patron. The week we're recording, I'll make a post letting you know what we'll be talking about and who the guest will be, or the panelists per se. And uh, I will just take the questions you submit from you. So thank you everyone who submitted questions that way. If you're a $5 and up patron, you're also part of our early access tier where you get episodes of Friend Code and other of our shows and podcasts early. Um, for everyone else who watches it when it goes up on YouTube for the public, thank you for watching it. However you feel you want to show your support, we are always eternally grateful. Uh, we do have some shout outs for the month of September 2020. Uh, these are our $250 up patrons. So thank you very much. So shout outs to El Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Toki Crawford, and Jeff Zio VGM Easton. Shout out and thank you so much. Uh, before we sign off here, I want to give uh, both of you, Jeff and Kyle, a chance to let uh, people know where they could follow you. And if you have any other projects you're working on right now that you want to maybe tease, uh, let's start uh, with you, Rebecca. Where can people follow you if they want to uh, check out more of your work? Yeah, so I am at Forest Minish, Forest and then Minish, like the Minish Cap game, um, everywhere on uh, Twitter, and I stream on Twitch as well. Um, I'm also a staff writer at Twinfinite. I just reviewed the Super Mario 3D All-Stars, so you can read my review at Twinfinite.net. I'm also the co-host of the Nintendo Shack podcast, part of the PSVG um, network of podcasts. We record every Thursday night, so you can uh, check us out at Shack Life on Twitter. Nice. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm at Kyle M. Hilliard on Twitter. You can find me there. I'm also a co-host at MinMax with two N's. So that's the best place to find me. The, the next big thing we're doing is um, we do a series called The Deepest Dive where we go yes. like super deep on specific games. Like we're, do, we're doing Mario 64. I say we. I'm actually not, I'm not in that one, but I hope you still watch it. But um, <laughs> we're going to do three episodes on uh, Mario 64 where we just like play a chunk, talk about it a lot, play a chunk, talk about it a lot. We've done Last of Us Part Two. We did the Final Fantasy VII remake. So go check that out. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's exciting to be yeah, on. Yeah, thank, thank, thank you so much for <laughs> doing this. These, these Zoom ones are always so, I mean, it affords me having guests from everywhere. So I love that. It's always so weird. I feel like the like past few months, it just comes across in all the Zoom style content we do. Like not being there in person and stuff. Like it's just been kind of like a a learning process doing it remotely. But I'm just always really thankful the having all these guests and having you two show up to do this. It's just like for me, it's like I'm, I'm very excited. I'm like, ooh, I got these guests. These are like, there's always fun. To, like especially the Zelda episode, like brad and like the other guys at easy allies i love talking with zelda about them all the time but like i sometimes i can never get enough to the point like i i in my mind i felt i was restrained this episode but I, i'm gonna go back and edit it and i'm gonna be like i talk too much damn it i, <laughs> I talked way too much this episode even with this so the more people i could talk with zelda about in general um 
just in his video games I love and you both were a blast and a pleasure to have on so thank you so much oh for my taking gosh time. I could talk about Zelda all day so thank you so much for inviting me on for yeah. sure uh if you're both open to it I will definitely be having you back on at some point in the future so thank you so much and and you Brad thank you so much for for talking oh, about Zelda and news, uh, dude I'm always on here with you <laughs> thank you for indulging <laughs> me with deal. your achievements yeah. thank you <laughs> it means so much to me but uh that's gonna wrap it up so until next time everybody may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce Bye-bye.